Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from a hotel on the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy, Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast, and we are looking at Thursday night here, just a two-game slate here tonight in the NBA. Nate, do you want to make sure you're liked and subscribed to that page? Continue to follow along with us. We are coming back at you guys each and every weekday of this NBA regular season. Have our game line picks, as well as these player props videos that we love to bring you each and every weekday. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have all of our great written content and the like on there for you guys all season long. Also have our great odds finder tool on there. That's where you can go ahead and make sure you're shopping those lines and offerings to the best of your ability all NBA season long. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into our game of the night that we're talking about here. Milwaukee uh, is taking on the Sixers in Philly in this one. Uh, Bucks are plus four, 152 on the money line. 225 right now is the total. I believe it's been bet down actually to 223 and a half at the moment on most of these books. So let's get into everything uh, Philly and Milwaukee here. What are you looking at to kick things off? I'm just a little confused about the line here uh it seems kind of like wrong team favored i mean it's the bucks are going to be missing some key guys here early in the season middleton ingles pat connington out indefinitely uh but it's not like this is a random regular season uh you know dog days of the season game where they're just like oh we got some guys out let's loaf let whatever maybe it's because the bucks came out so slow last season with guys banged up I don't necessarily expect them to repeat that. Uh, I mean, we've talked about Giannis coming out of the gates like a like a bat out of hell uh, and him being the best player on the floor here, of course. Look, we were high on the Sixers as a futures bet, as a regular season futures bet. We are even higher on the Bucks as, you know, your championship favorites uh, because of Giannis, because they should have Brook Lopez for a whole season. And we talked about in that futures that they're, they have a 73% win rate with Brolo since 2018 have struggled a little bit without Middleton, but I mean, they did just finish the season without him. So they're at least used to playing without him. Uh, And they've got some experienced wings. Now, Wes Matthews, Jordan Nawara, a little more comfortable in his role. We'll see what we get with the rookie. Uh, Boot champ, but however you want to pronounce it, it, when he gets into the rotation here. Yeah. It, for me, it, it's mostly just about Giannis, uh, and it's mostly about what the Sixers showed they aren't going to be good at early in the season here, that they they really showed they need time to gel with these new pieces on the fringe parts of their roster. It was a lot of standing around and watching Harden and Embiid play a two-man game, and the, those guys had 12 of the team's 16 assists. Only 16 assists to 14 turnovers is dreadful. Uh, they allowed Boston to shoot 56% from the field. Granted, most of that from the perimeter. I mean, still 44 pain points to a Boston team that doesn't usually attack that much is concerning when now you go up against Giannis and, and Drew. Drew who gets to bully either Maxi or Harden all night if he wants, right? So it, I, I think there's a lot of advantages for Milwaukee to press in order to be able to stay in this game. And so for either plus four or for a plus 150 money line bet, I would definitely take the underdogs um, just because of the value there. Because I, I see this as an early season toss-up, and I lean more towards the the team that has you know the most dominant player in basketball right now, a guy who's averaged 32, 15, six and a half in eight games against Philly and sure enough the Bucks have won seven of those eight games 
all makes sense. Uh, no major qualms with anything you said. Uh, I'll be perfectly transparent. I'm not going to put any money on this game on on the outcome of it, um, nor am I going to put anything on really a total of this game. Um, I really, you know, we talk about it. I really want a few weeks to uh, to to sort of see what's going on in the, in the NBA right now. I think there's been a lot of there's been a lot of turnover. There's been a lot of change. There's a lot of differences in terms of some guys coming back from injury, some guys on new teams, um, and, and the like. So I I, I don't love uh, any. I don't feel super confident about um, either the Bucks or the or, or the 76ers uh, in terms of the spread here at four. Or so neither do I with the total. All that said, I think the fact that Chris Middleton is out is something that we can look at. That's sort of where I start my my analysis of this game is uh, seven and nine for the Bucks last season without him versus 44 and 22 with him. I also just think it's just they're a different offensive squad. And I mean, what that means and, and the game theory that that sort of led to with Chris Middleton being out over the last, you know, last season, obviously in the playoffs and just when he's been out over the last couple of years in general, Giannis goes bananas. Drew Holiday uh, does his best to score. It doesn't make him more efficient at all by any means. Just means he has a bit more volume uh, and responsibility on the offensive end. He also gets a, a bunch of rebounds, so I like his four and a half boards potentially. But I do look a little bit more inside the game uh, at specific players uh, in this one a little bit more, just because, like I said, um, you know the shooting isn't quite there. There's just a lot more forced on offense for Milwaukee when Chris is not in the lineup. Uh, and now you talk about the fact that they're not going to be able to make up for it with the guys that are injured, like you said, uh, needing. We we're really excited to see what Joe Ingles was able to do with. Chris Middleton out, how would he be as a, a sort of, um, you know, serviceable uh, role, role player that and, and really step up a bit in the shooting uh, and scoring uh, ability as well with, with Middleton out playmaking, obviously, as well. Connaughton also out, another guy that you, you would have relied on to sort of fill in for that scoring. So it just it just leads me to not feel very comfortable about what's going to happen. It just leads me to also feel pretty good about who's going to step up on that Milwaukee team. I obviously Giannis, if you look at his props all over the place, you're getting things like 0.5 three pointers made uh, at minus 190 or 11 and a half boards at minus 140, right? Or five and a half assists at minus 150. Like I don't want any of that stuff from him. I know he's going to go off and I know he's going to do really fun things to watch. Um, but I, I just, all those things are so high and he's got to force all that stuff that I just don't know how, you know, I think the offense just sort of is just not going to flow as well for that team. Philly, I would feel a lot better about picking them, obviously, if they had played much better in that opening game. It was just a travesty as far as I'm concerned when you have Robert Williams, a third out for Boston and Joel Embiid ends with, you know, less than 30 points, basically less than 25 points at that point. Uh, just ugly and not something that I like. But I, I do lean on them to sort of fight back in this one. I don't think they want to uh, to go too far into the season, losing to too many East Coast or, you know, Eastern Conference teams that they would potentially be playing in the playoffs and vying for a number one seed right now. So I do think that there's something there for them. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be the three-point shooting uh, for Milwaukee tonight. I think we've seen Philly sh really shut that down as we did last season. Um, and it's if, if Milwaukee needs to rely on three-point shooting to, to, to really, uh, you know, score points off of Giannis tonight, I, I just don't see it happening, especially once you add P.J. Tucker to that wing defense for the 70 Sixers, I really like what they're going to be able to to, to, to bring on defense, uh, even against a especially against a team like Milwaukee, who's a bit shorthanded right now. Shorthanded on the wing in the backcourt a little bit, but they have plenty of options to throw at Embiid with Ibaka and Bobby Portis, who, by the way, averages 16 and 9 in his last 10 without Middleton. That's another guy to look at for some props here, probably. Um, but I mean, I think when you have guards that are well rested, like Drew can go 37 minutes tonight uh, and, and press his advantages. I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm I'm probably going to put put a small play, if anything, here. 
It's just the value in place that's intriguing. I think Philly's going to definitely make some adjustments from from what was really kind of a lackluster opening in Boston. And maybe it's a little bit more team-oriented ball. So that, that's kind of looking at Harden to go under 9.5 assists or to not have a double-double, which is even money at DK, uh, basically to go under 10 assists. He's averaging, you know, a solid 22 and a half, eight assists in his last three versus Milwaukee. He's a minus 37 in those games. So that's more to my point about Philly's awful defense. And I think you can look at the total as it gets bet down here. I mean, why not? I mean, Milwaukee's defense was was pretty shoddy last year when they were missing guys. Um, you know, it, mostly because they're missing Brooke Lopez, but we still don't know. He's he's how healthy he is. He's he's old at this point. They they averaged one nineteen against Philly uh, in those last eight meetings, and and Philly's offense was impressive. I mean, they put up a lot of empty stats. You know, sort of wearing the uh, the personality of James Harden. Now it seems if they're gonna just fill it up and then not play any defense on the other end. So I yeah, I'll be watching it closely to see how we want to play these teams going forward. But I think. As far as an opener, you're you're getting more value on a team that we we believe can win the championship, and that has thrived in this matchup. Um, you know, and and I guess you know some capitulation to saying the Warriors and Celtics wouldn't just come out and pick up where they left off in Game Ones because they both sure as hell did. And yeah. if the Bucks the Bucks finished pretty strong pushing the Celtics to the brink there without Middleton, yeah. I think they pick up where they left off. That's fair. Look, it's 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 combating sort of motivations here as well. You know, Milwaukee, the motivation of, uh, of the way things um, sort of ended for them last year. Philly, the motivation for how uh, for how they came out in game one, really, of, of this season. Joel, you know, has incredible stats against Milwaukee. Obviously, Brolo is not exactly a guy that um, will we'll be able to hang with him in, in, in the meat department, right, in the beefy department, if you will, uh, and be a, a bigger frame. Definitely able to handle Brolo down low. It's not like he's a and bead stopper by any means, like 28 points, 10 and a half boards in his last four matchups for Embiid versus these Bucks. Uh, you know, I believe three of those didn't have Rolo, but he, he, the one that did have them in there, uh, he still scored 29. So uh, I still think that there's a reason that, like I said, conflicting things here, but I do think uh, for, for Milwaukee with a, a lack of Chris Milton, at least that sort of narrows their focus of what you, you can depend upon uh, for the Bucks a little bit. And that's, that's kind of my main fun angle tonight. So in this one, Nate, we are going to look at the second game of this Thursday night two-game slate, and that is the two teams from Los Angeles, the Clippers taking on the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers are the home team for whatever that matters. They're pretty much the home team every time these teams play uh, at Crypto Arena, whatever it's called now. Uh, the Clippers are minus 5.5 this one, minus 240 on the money line for them if you're interested in that as well. Uh, 224 is the total in this one. Uh, I honestly kind of lean total as my preferred bet, Nate, but what's the first thing that you're looking at uh, in this uh, showdown of the L.A. teams? Yeah, I think the total would be your best bet if you're looking for, um, you know, sort of an even money option here. The Lakers, I think, will cover. Um, I thought they would cover game one, but I think this is a little bit of a better spot considering the Clippers are not going to be firing on all cylinders the way that the champs were um, on ring night. That something's got to give here in, in seven straight wins for the Clippers over the Lakers. Um, the last one, Reggie Jackson had 40 points and just disrespected all over the Lakers, which provides some motivation. The previous three, eight total points. So that would be certainly a cover 
for the Lakers in each of those. Um, you know, uh, we're still going to have to see how how the Lakers are able to play with this awful spacing they have here. I think ESPN wrote a stat that Westbrook and Davis are both bottom five on jump shots, effective field goal percentage over the last several years. And they certainly look like it. Uh, but they got 60 paint points against the champs and the Clippers. We're going to see how they play their, their big man rotations. That's, that's the weakness of this team right now. Right. I mean, Zubach is not really a new age five, uh, five in the NBA. I mean, Davis should be able to get around him pretty routinely. And then they might go with Covington at the five for extended period. And, and Davis should just punish him down low, you know, and maybe just, you know, stop shooting, stop shooting jump shots, man. Uh, in, in his last two against the Clippers, he has banged down low for sure. 28 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds on 56% field goal shooting. So I think they have an advantage to press there. The Clippers did allow the fourth most paint points at home last year. So that's where they should look to get their hay. And Westbrook started, it wasn't awful. He actually had a better plus minus than the other two stars. Uh, seven for 12, you know, attacking. And the biggest thing was Darvin Ham. I think why you like the over. Darvin Ham was really clearly emphasizing like let's run with this team because we don't have any shootings. <laughs> and we have two guys in Westbrook and LeBron who can just push and transition and get buckets. Um, so I think as long as that's their, their strategy, you got to like LeBron's assists, which are still so low from last year when they were playing too much half-court ball. He was kicking out to too many guys who can't shoot. Uh, you know, now he had a nice line in that opener. His points and assists combined is still only one higher at 34 and a half. So, I mean, his just assists straight up at FanDuel plus 114 for him to get seven dimes. I like that. And if you're looking at, a, a you know, the same game parlay options here, plus 475 for LeBron to get 30 again for the Lakers to cover for this game to go over. I don't hate all that uh, for nearly five to one on your money. Yeah, I like I like a lot of what you're saying. As you already kind of mentioned, um, I'm just looking at pace right in this one. And, and I'm just looking for uh, for the Lakers to continue running up and down the floor. I, I think, look, I, I do think there's the possibility that Darvin Ham made that strategy specifically for those Warriors, um, knowing one that the, the Warriors do love to show out as soon as they make a shot. Steph got burned for no less than three easy fast break points that his guy got while he was busy either making a nice pass and then staring it down and doing one of these things where he looks at his hand or he like stares at the bench or whatever. And it's like three times in a row, his dude got burnt. And that was the same concept for Jordan Poole as well. Happened to him a couple of times. So I think there was something there. There was an actual strategy that Darvin Ham was like, take the showboaters and make them pay for, for watching their shots go in afterwards. And that led to some of the pace, but if you talk about the points in the paint, 25% of their points were fast break points. Uh, if, last season, Memphis led the league with 15% of their points being uh, percent of their points being fast break points per game. So the Lakers blew that out of the water with 25%. That's where their points in the paint came from, right? I mean, they did have, uh, you know, Bron and, uh, and AD don't really have, there's not much of an answer for them uh, in the paint uh, in terms of who's guarding them usually, unless it's a strong five or a very strong four. Uh, so, you know, they're able to do that. But, but like I said, the majority of those paint points came from uh, all this fast break stuff. So I really do just start with, uh, with that uh, total there at, you know, at 225 and a half, not feel too concerned with it. Cause I do think also LeBron and AD are going to come out and, and look pretty clean and, 
If Russ is going to continue playing in the second lineup, uh, no, he's not going to help them win too many games. But I think that the scoring and the pace will remain high uh, when the second units come in and Russ is playing on those units. So uh, that, that's really all they have there. I don't have much for the Clippers. I mean, the last time we saw, like you said, we saw Reggie Jackson scoring them, scoring 40 all over them. Very high stepping down the floor and running all over the place. And it was a ton of fun to watch. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what I'm getting from, from a, a team that has Kawhi back in the lineup. I love the fact that the Clips were the second best uh, offense in clutch time last season. Uh, obviously, that doesn't account for Kawhi being in there because he was not. So, you know, PG, uh, Mook at the time and, and Reggie Jackson alone were really handling that fourth quarter uh, for, for the Clips in a way that, shit, you throw Kawhi in there. Why would you not like it just as much, right? Or potentially even more. I don't think he's a guy that comes in and disrupts your offense. He's really, he, he can get his own bucket however he wants. Uh, and when it's you know, not his turn, he's at least not, uh, you know, not a nuisance on offense, sometimes the way that Russ can be. Uh, so, uh, you know, I would like to take the Clippers on the money line at minus 240. I don't feel great about parlaying that with anything, and I don't feel strongly enough about it to go ahead and take it. I think that the, the Lakers could pull this one off. So um, I lean towards the total. I do lean a, a little bit also towards LeBron, as you're talking about here in this game. Um, and look, I, 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 I'm going to continue to take under on AD's rebounds because he's not going to be banging down the same way, banging down low the same way that we might have seen him when he had a lot more weight. I mean, his, his whole game this year, and I think the reason they're, they're making those fast break plays is predicated on his athleticism, the weight that he's lost. Uh, and, and the way that he's able to move a lot more quickly down up and down the floor. So I think you continue to expect him to, to not get those, you know, his, his props for rebounds has been about nine and a half pretty consistently since he's played the last couple of se- when he's played the last couple of seasons. And it's usually at plus money. Like it is right now on DK at plus plus one fifteen for him to get 10 boards. I don't want that. I still would take the minus 130 under 10 rebounds for him. He had six last game and it's just, it's not a stat that I see him getting close to 10 a game in this season. Yeah, that's fair. I think the most important thing, you talked about was that second unit for both sides, keeping the pace up and keeping the scoring up. Uh, because now I think we have John Wall is going to lead that second unit for the Clippers. And he's oh, talked yeah. about how much he wants to get out in the open court. First time playing in like two years, basically Norman Powell oh, yeah. on the wing as well. I mean, we're, that's really good news for the over. If you can have the starters come out and then have the scoring, maybe even ramp up even more. I mean, yeah, Kawhi is a defensive stopper. They have held LeBron in check a little bit in these last four games. I think that's more about Ty Lue, obviously, with Kawhi not in the lineup. But we don't necessarily expect him to play, you know, light uh, balls to the wall more than 30 minutes here in the opener. We expect him to ease into the season. He was not necessarily a truly elite defender in the regular season the last couple of years. He's always saving himself for the playoffs. Uh, and, and the Lakers, yeah, that pace was actually 114 in their opener to put a number on it, which is insane. Yep. So, I, yeah, I think over is is a fair play here. Um, definitely if you want and, – and and if it does come down to the stretch, to, to a clutch situation down the stretch, I think the Clippers, because of the coaching advantage, you definitely have to like them. Um, you know, Darvin Ham's still getting yeah. his feet wet here, and Ty Lue is just – a master of the in-game adjustments, but a lot of averages in sports makes yep. me think eventually, you know, they've won three straight season openers. They've won seven straight overall. Eventually the Lakers are going to get these guys. Um, and so I would rather take this, the, the five and a half than, than, than get the negative odds on the Clippers to win this. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? 
Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into player props. We're bringing you guys about four or so that we feel super strongly about. Got a couple extras in there for you today. A few bonus ones that Nate is also liking uh, on this little two-game slate. So pretty fun that we've got a number of things to talk about here, Nate. Let's get into your first prop of the night. Uh, like I said, we only have two games tonight, Lakers and Clippers. Uh, and then the other one is those Bucks and the 76ers. So plenty of stars playing tonight. Nate, who's your first one that you're going with? Yeah, it's LeBron again. Uh, and I mentioned it in the game video. Just... The increased pace that the Lakers are playing with is going to provide him a lot more opportunities to pile up stats. Uh, It's also going to give him easier opportunities to score in the paint and to find guys that for easy assists rather than last year when his assists were down for the, the, you know, almost a career low, I believe, because nobody around him could hit a shot. But in the opener at that um, heightened pace, the Lakers played 114 possessions against the Warriors. LeBron goes for 31, 15, and 8 at a 35% usage rate. And his assist points, points and assist prop, we pointed out, was absurdly low at 33 and a half. Sure enough, he almost scores 33. Now it's 34 and a half. Granted, the Clippers have frustrated him in the last couple uh, seasons, especially last year, held, holding him to 23 points per game. But the usage, of course, still there because he's LeBron, 33%. Uh, the Clippers did struggle to contain guys in the paint last year. So it doesn't necessarily make sense that LeBron was not able to get going. And when I talk about just, you know, in the game video that the Clippers won seven straight here, something's got to give the Lakers can't continue to take all this disrespect. And while they weren't able to hang with the defending champs, there's a lot more unknowns here with the Clippers, um, you know, reintegrating guys, trying to work out their rotations on the first night of the season. And if you want to bet, on the Lakers, at least, you know, not you know, emerging from the basement in, in terms of just being a doormat, you just keep betting on LeBron because last season, even when they were awful, he was still having a, a great year. And and I think, you know, six and a half assists at plus money, this combined points and assists when again, he should be expected to score around 30. And then the, one of the greatest passers ever to get about five dimes gets you over that. I think it's one of the safest props on the slate. I think it's going to be all season. Uh, if you're LeBron, you're going for the scoring title. Um, you're going for stat padding in general uh, because I think you know that this team is not built for the championship. They're not built for the playoffs. They're built for the play-in, <laughs> to be honest with you. This league is predicated on 3D at this point uh, and guys who are six foot six and taller who can also dribble and, and attack from, from the top. So um, they don't have those players. They had those players. They dropped them or released them, um, but they don't have them anymore. So uh, I think LeBron knows that. And look, he, he since he's came, you know, maybe since his second or third season in the NBA, LeBron's been capable of scoring 30 when he decides he wants to. That's just the, 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 st- the fact of the matter. Um, I think as he's gotten older, He's sort of reserved some of that energy for, for you know, playing, being able to play late into the season uh, and obviously thrown in the towel in a few games here and there and, and, and sort of given up on defense at times. And 
I think you're just going to see playing more of that throughout the whole season where it's just him st- padding stats and, and getting those points and getting past uh, Kareem eventually. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be a good bet all season long as long as he's healthy, which is obviously key uh, that he's healthy. So I'm going to take uh, an opponent for his second one here, Mr. Paul George, uh, someone that might be guarding him a bit. We'll see how often Kawhi is also on LeBron as well. But uh, Paul George, what, what I'm looking at here is what happens when Kawhi comes into the game uh, and, and, you know, is in there with Paul George. Uh, so I'm looking at his three pointers, two and a half right now on FanDuel um, gets you minus 110 over that over four and a half assists actually is a plus 100 on DK. And I specify those two um, because one, I mean, he's, he's had those with, with uh, plenty of those against uh, the Lakers in the last uh, few matchups that he's played them dating back to the last four times he's played the Lakers. He's averaging 23 points, seven boards, five assists exactly two and a half made threes a game on 42% three point shooting. But what happens that when Kawhi comes into the, you know, into the lineup with Paul George, things are just very, uh, you know, they, they, they shift in a way that makes a lot of sense, right? He's taking fewer shots um, because when Kawhi's not in there, he needs to take a lot more. So he's a lot more, uh, you know, efficient. His three pointers goes from two and a half made a game with Kawhi or without Kawhi to 3.3 when Kawhi's in there. His assists go up when Kawhi's in there as well from about four and a half to about five and a half. Um, all things that make you know, perfect sense to me when you talk about, you know, Kawhi being in there and being able to control things better. Uh, so he's able to kick to Paul George rather than Paul George having to be the focal point of, of bringing the ball up and things like that. You've also got then uh, the assists where Kawhi is a better player. So if Paul George is driving and he's kicking to Kawhi, the likelihood that then Kawhi makes that basket is higher than any other player on on the, uh, the, the clips there. So it's just pretty clearly logical why those two stats would be improved for Paul George when Kawhi Leonard is in there. Uh, and I think that you're getting some pretty good value on those tonight in a, in a game where I think he's definitely going to look to get threes, three threes made for sure, at least. Yeah, the threes, I think, is the best bet here. It's surprisingly low. I think people assuming that he just won't be launching because Kawhi's in the lineup, but that's Paul George's game, man, is the, is the step back three. And, and, and you know, he's attempting, he attempted about mm-hmm. eight per game regardless of venue last year. You look at his career since he joined the Clippers at, uh, you know, formerly known as Staples here, shooting 42.7% from deep and hitting 3.33s per game at that arena uh, is the California kid. So I, I definitely understand hitting that prop at, at, at its current uh, stance. This is the two and a half. It seems just way too low. If you can get that minus 110, get, yeah. I'll be all over that. Um, just kind of going a little out of the box here with the Bucks, Sixers and not taking a star taking P.J. Tucker to get six points or to hit two threes, basically. We don't expect him to really take anything but threes unless he's cleaning up some offensive rebounds. But he did manage, you know, 11 points per game his last two against Milwaukee with with the Heat last year. Also added seven and a half rebounds and five and a half assists. So I don't hate ten and a half PRA, which is also very low. You can get that at Caesars. The other the other books have him at about 11 and a half for those. Um you know, he had six points, four boards. He played 33 minutes in his debut for the Sixers. And that's important here chasing the playing time because he's obviously going to be their best option to guard Giannis. He's obviously going to be fired up for that. A legendary practice performer who certainly got into it with Giannis last year when he was with the Bucks, And, you know, they're, it, him and Embiid are, you know, kind of the fire of this team now. They're going to try to set the tone play better defense in this one. And as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, he should be on the floor long enough to just back into six points here. Uh, again, mostly by taking those corner threes, which has become his specialty. I, I'm with it. Uh, I'm always scared. <laughs> PJ Tucker points is always like 
like the equivalent of taking you know, a a quarterback's rushing yard prop at like seven and a half where you're just like, look, he's going to have like three opportunities to get this and he needs to make the best of those opportunities, right? Like how many threes is he going to put up? Like four, five max. Like if he puts up five, three point attempts, I don't know, maybe that's just something to show that that's what they're, where they're forcing it. But it is an interesting prop where it's like, it's so low and it's like, dude, just, just trip over the line of scrimmage quarterback and you'll get your three yards. But like somehow you fail to get it. So that's the only thing that scares me about this type of prop. Um, but I, I can understand why, you know, that if you're the the Bucks, you would be forcing the ball out of the hands of Harden, Maxi, and Embiid as much as you can, where you'll be leaving PJ Tucker probably pretty open because you can't afford to put you know two guys, if even one guy on him when he's that far out. So um, I don't hate it. I just, I, you know, at minus 104, it seems like at least you're getting something there. I do feel a little bit better about the PRA as well because I do know he's going to be banging down low so um, let me finish things off I know you also liked James Harden assists Um, I'll let you talk about that briefly but I did want to say I like Drew Holiday points um, just because it's a a moment where once again we don't have Chris Middleton we also don't have Joe Ingles or Pat Connaughton so uh, Drew's going to need to score and I think you'll see that like he did uh, pretty much all uh, playoffs he really came out in the first quarter first and second quarters and really tried to establish things when Drew or excuse me when Chris wasn't around so 18 and a half points at minus one 115 on DK. He gets three more field goal attempts a game when, when Chris is not in there. A few more minutes a game. He has about what, half a point more a game, and there's no angles or content in here. So someone besides Giannis needs to score close to 20, if not 20 points. To me, obviously, Drew Holiday is the easy call there. Uh, so if it's going to be under 20 for him at 18 and a half, I think that's fair without Chris Middleton in there. Yeah, I mean, I have no argument with that, really. Um, Holiday is going to have to step up, and he has a good matchup here if he can get Maxi. Down low, that's barbecue chicken. Um, right. My my thought for the bonus pick here, yeah, yep. is Harden under nine and a half assists. I talked about in the game video. I think he had seven dimes in the opener. He had the ball in his hands an unhealthy amount for the Sixers team. I mean, it was just total two man game. Him and Embiid and everybody else standing around losing their rhythm. So I think they'll try to distribute the the, the touches a little better here. Um, I think no double double is even better. I mean, the, the odds are pretty much even at DK and he could have a great line. I mean, we're, we're on board with the hard bounce back season. He could have 38 and eight and you're still cashing that. Um, and so I think that's, that's one of the best values you can find here on the short slate. 38 and 8. Yeah, that would be a hell of a game for Harden tonight. But either way, yeah, I think uh, we're, we're going to continue to go with uh, some of these props that, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of reason to feel comfortable about things like LeBron, Paul George, etc. So feeling pretty good about our props tonight, Nate. That is all the time we have for you guys. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. We're coming back to you guys each and every weekday of this regular season. So until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs>